Today we come to address one of the most broadly misunderstood parts of the Christian worship service, tithes and offerings. So why do we give, essentially? And, you know, I, I, this concept is largely misunderstood by the majority of non-Christians, in my opinion. And frankly, the more time I've spent thinking about it, the more I think the majority of Christians don't actually understand what takes place during tithes and offerings, during the worship service, or why we give in the first place. I mean, many people give because they think, oh, well, God needs my money. Hardly. (laughs) Absolutely not. Psalm chapter 50 says that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And I once heard somebody say, oh, by the way, he owns the hills also. So no, God does not need your money. We do not serve a broke God. (laughs) So, oh, but God's plan requires uh, a new building, a new vehicle, a new full-time pastor. Well, maybe so or maybe not, but God doesn't need your money to accomplish those things. I mean, we serve a God who brought water from a rock in the wilderness for Moses. God could, if he needs something, God can make something happen, whether through material means or human needs, you know, human resources in that regard. So, no, God is not broke or out of resources. We don't need to supply what is God's job to supply. There's a big difference there. So, I want to drill into you guys, into your heads, something that was drilled into my mind when I was a young believer, and I'm passing it on to you this morning. Where God guides, God provides. If God is guiding it, he's going to provide for it. If it doesn't happen, maybe it was your plan, it wasn't God's. But God never fails to provide for the things he calls us for. He doesn't lack in any resource. And he will literally do an actual miracle to provide for what he is called for. I'm reminded of when Jesus and uh, Peter needed to pay the temple tax. And what does Jesus do? He sends Peter out to go fishing. Lo and behold, he catches a fish, opens up its mouth, and there's the exact amount that they needed to pay the temple tax. God can do anything. He can literally rise up the funding from a fish. He can do anything. And he still does this today, by the way. I was, I'm aware of a church down in South Jersey who a number of years ago uh, was in desperate need of a new building. But there was a situation, for whatever reason, they couldn't purchase a new building. They didn't have the funds for it. They, didn't have, uh, they couldn't uh, commit to a lease. And they, it really seemed like their hands were tied. Until the 11th hour, someone just gifted them a building. That was larger than their former one. God provided for them through insane means. God is still working like this today. That wasn't in Old Testament times and that wasn't in Jerusalem. That was in South Jersey. God can do anything. So so if we, that's how rich my God is. And that's why we can trust him no matter what our financial outlook looks like, no matter what our list of servants and people signing up to help out around the church looks like, God can accomplish what he desires to accomplish. 
And again, if we don't have enough resources to do the thing, to purchase the thing, well, it's just not God's will for that at this time. And we'll be content until he does. So hear this clearly. If your God needs my money, your God does not deserve my worship. Your God is too small. That's the truth. So keep that in mind when you turn on the TV and see all those charlatans constantly begging for money. Think about that for a minute. Because it's, if it's up to you to provide for the church, well, I guess the Holy Spirit's not in management at that church anymore. Or not in that ministry. It's time to get out. So no, God does not need your money. That's not why we give here. And I wanted that clear. <laughs> Oh, but maybe it's not God, but it's the church that needs my money. Well, no, not that either. Not if the church belongs to God. Because if the church belongs to God, God will provide for that church through whatever means necessary. He will supply. The problem is, and maybe you guys have seen it too, a lot of churches don't even belong to God anymore. Perhaps just in name only. You know, a lot of... A pastor comes in with an ego trip and starts thinking that it's their church. And you are his people. And these are his resources. And he's bringing in their ideas about how the church should be run. Rather than doing the Lord's work the Lord's way. Through the Lord's process with the Lord's resources. That's when a, a church starts to get in trouble. And starts to have problems they don't need to have. Because entire churches, entire pastors, and entire denominations, you know, drift away from this thought. When they decide things like, well, I know what the Bible says, but we're going to do it this way. That's dangerous, because that's putting yourself above the authority of Scripture. The authority that God has given his church. And they start doing all kinds of things. They start redefining marriage, even though it wasn't theirs to define. They start redefining when life begins, even when Psalm 139 makes it clear. The problem is, with many of those churches that I'm describing, they have made politics their God. That's a problem. Because there's only room for one head of the church and that is Jesus Christ he's the head of the church not the pastor not the session not a denomination only the Lord Jesus Christ we have to do things his way so no the the church ought not need your money either we need Jesus Christ and he will provide for the rest we have a peace with that well, so why do we give? You've listed all the things that it's not. What is it? Tell me already. Well, we give for the same reason that we do everything else during the worship service. To worship God. We worship God through our giving. Now, did you know that when you fill out your envelope, when you write your check, when you leave something in the plate, you, what you're effectively doing is you are saying to God, God, you are worthy of this. This money represents my time, and here I am giving it to you. You are worthy of this. I am trusting you and believe that you will provide for me without 
this amount and that the mission that I'm supporting through this giving is a worthy cause that you will bless and use. Do you hear the difference in tone? Because that is not some begrudging, well, I guess I have to do this. Well, the church says I need to give this with with Eeyore as its spirit animal. But but no, we there, there's a huge difference. It's not, no, I have to do this. It's, it's out of a sense of mission. It's out of a heart of worship and a mindset of joy that we give to the church. You know, that's why the Bible says not to give begrudgingly, but that God loves a cheerful giver. Because if you have that mindset, if you are joyful in your finances as you're giving to the Lord, you're doing it right. That's, the, that's a good sign. Note, again, it's not because the church has needs, but that I desire to support what God is doing through that church. I want to come alongside them and help further what they're doing, not, oh, I need to save them. There's a big difference. Let let me actually hit this from a different angle. Because, see, not all of us are called to go into full-time ministry or go and do overseas foreign missions. That's not the calling that God has given each of us. But we are called to be part of the Great Commission, to take the gospel to all regions, to all peoples, make disciples of all nations, Matthew 28 tells us. We are called to do that. So when we support those who are doing that, we are effectively partnering with those who are. We're partnering with them to take the gospel to those regions. And And so when you give to the church and the church supports a missionary who is leading people to Christ, you are sharing in the reward of that. You know, many of you have supported individual missionaries. Our church supports missionaries to various regions. Many of you supported me a number of years ago when I went to Haiti with a a missions organization that was training up pastors. And, you know, a lot of those people that I ministered to down there are now, full to, are now pastors down there in Haiti. Churches planted all over the region, some like 12, 13 churches that I'm aware of. You guys are getting ministry credit for that. You guys are getting crowns in heaven for supporting the, that kind of work. Praise be to God for that. That's great. You know, we couldn't physically be there, but we could help those who were willing to go. That's great news. And so again, the beauty of this is that giving isn't this passive obligation that we have to do, but an active participation in what God is doing all around the world. So if you can't go, you can support and fund the Great Commission, both locally at the local church and abroad, into the furthest regions of life, of the world. You guys see what I'm saying there? And who doesn't want to feel like they're part of a mission like that? You know, we, we all long to have meaning and purpose in this lifetime because that's how God designed us. And when you give towards a cause like that, you can have assurance that you are making a difference in this lifetime. Because to contrast that for a second, 
There are so many people that hold on to every penny that they make as if the goal in life is to make money. Nothing could be further from the truth. You guys know this, I hope. It's the point. But the but it, it. I don't want to err on 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 the other side either because I don't want to say that it's a bad thing to acquire wealth or that you're a evil, sinful, rich person if you have money. That's not the point. That's not what the Bible calls us to. The point isn't that you're not supposed to have things. You're supposed to make sure that things don't have you. That those things don't have your heart. Because when you take all of your money and spend it all on yourself, it doesn't fulfill you. And that's true whether you make minimum wage or six figures. It's true. You know, it's what we read from on our second reading where Jesus said, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. So think about it. If that means if you spend all your money on yourself, where's your heart? It's on yourself. All you will think about is yourself, but that's where you spend all your time, all your money, all your energy, all your focus. And you'll just become more and more selfish and more and more dissatisfied in life if that's all that you're living for. But the minute you become mission-minded, thinking about the things of God, trying to make a difference for him in this lifetime, it makes all the difference, especially when it comes to your finances. And you start putting your treasure towards the things of God, choosing to invest in missionaries, orphanages, church plants, reaching others with the gospel, supporting your local church. It changes you in a good way because you start putting, you're putting your treasures in heaven. And that is a glorious thing. Now, again, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying we should all sell everything that we have and live in a tiny house with no heat. Some people take this message too far. I'm not one of those guys. Again, it's not wrong for you to have stuff, and the Bible tells us that we're supposed to take care of our family. That's one of our highest priorities as Christians, to take care of those who we have influence on, and that God has given us this earth to enjoy. So go on vacation, travel, enjoy a nice restaurant, enjoy this life that God has given us. But don't live solely for yourself either. Again, it's not to not have stuff, it's to make sure stuff doesn't have you. I'll put it another way. I I once heard it said that if you have $40,000 in the bank, you could buy a really nice car for that. Top of the line engineering, all all the... all the luxuries and features you could ever hope to get, you can get a really nice car for that much if you spend it on yourself. Or you spend $20,000 on a car. Still get a really great car that you'll own for a long time. And then take that other $20,000 and invest that in the kingdom of God. Do you know what you can do with that kind of a gift? I mean, you can, for, for, for that number, at one point, you could fund a team to reach the villages in the Himalayan mountains, get them an all-terrain vehicle, fund the team with everything that they need to go and reach the, these unreached people groups that still have not heard the name of Jesus. You guys can do some amazing things once, and, and once 
once you don't allow stuff to have you, and you're allowed to use this stuff for amazing things. So that's all well and good, John. I mean, that's a cool little philosophical rant you got went on there. But why do we give here? Why do we give during the service? Well, that's a great question, and it's got a number of good answers. For one, you know, in the first century, they didn't exactly have secure online giving. You couldn't give Peter your MasterCard. <laughs> there were some things you just couldn't do in the first century. This whole online giving thing is a very new phenomenon. And, you know, as we make updates to the website, some things like that will become possible for us in the hopefully nearer than further future. But there's still a reason why we do things the traditional way. It's a very thought-out reason when you think about it. Because something happens when you physically hand over the money that you worked hard for and you place it into the offering plate in the context of the place where you worship God, where then it is brought forward to the front as we sing a doxology together and then we pray over the offering that God would use it for his purposes. Something spiritual happens when that, when that takes place. There's a reason why this method hasn't become antiquated. There, there's a reason for it. Because doing it so visibly as an act of worship clearly differentiates giving in the church from other types of giving that we do. You know, for instance, I once stood at a grocery store line. I'm checking out. I just, I'm paying for my stuff. And the, the young cashier says to me, oh, would you like to donate to such and such a cause? You want to give a dollar to that? I said, um, I'm interested. Um, what charity is this going to? They didn't know. Uh, what, what, what field is it generally going to support? Uh, needy children, um, orphanages, this, that, or other thing? I really don't know. <laughs> Hardly the sales pitch I was looking for. But that's how a lot of people do give, even to the church. And it's like, ah, oh, you want to give a dollar? Ah, sure, I'll give a dollar. You want to give this? Oh, okay, whatever. Where's it going? I don't know. That, that, that's how so many people give these days. We do it thoughtlessly. We do it without purpose. We do it without knowing where it's going. Don't be like that. Whatever it is that you give, give thoughtfully. Give purposefully towards the mission that you want to support. Give informed by knowing where it's going. And give to the glory of God, not because you need to settle the needs of men. Or that the pastor needs a new car or some nonsense like that. Now, I'll be the first to say we don't need to give the way that we do here with the offering place, the collection, the music, all of that stuff. We don't have to do it that way. And a lot of churches nowadays, a lot of the modern ones, aren't doing it this way anymore. And them too, for actually not a bad reason. There's a lot of abuses that have taken place in the church regarding offering plates and worship services. I mean, a lot of people outside the walls of the church are convinced the church only wants my money. That's why they want me in church. That's why my grandma keeps inviting me to church. She wants me to put money in the plate. So many people are convinced of that. And regretfully, there's cases where they're not wrong. That's a travesty. So 
I've seen churches respond by not even taking a formal offering. I know of a church that actually doesn't make any mentions of giving, where you actually have to go to one of the elders or the pastor and say, hey, I want to support you guys. How can I do that? Rather than the church going to them. And there's wisdom in that. You don't get confused when that happens. I think that's a great model in considering some of those abuses that have taken place. I mean, my own grandfather told me a story, this didn't happen at this church, but of where um, he was at this service where they passed the plate around, the pastor saw how much was in it, and he said, pass it around again. It's not enough. My heart just breaks to even tell that story. So let me just make this perfectly clear. If anybody here is just kind of checking out our church, if somebody's listening online, you know, figuring out if they want to attend here, or maybe just following us online, wondering what it's like to, to be here, if you're new here, or if, you've, or if you've come from one of those places that did abuse their financial stewardship, I'm saying from the pulpit, keep your money. Don't give with a tarnished conscience. Give it time. It's not about your money here. Your soul is worth infinitely more value than any cash amount you could possibly put into the plate. I don't care what your net worth is worth. For the sake of your soul, do not give if that is your situation. Come, enjoy God, worship him. And then when you have that clear conscience and a joyful heart, and want to give towards what God is doing in this place, then you come. Then you bring your offering with that clear heart. And just so you know, <laughs> how sincere I am, if anybody is checking us out online as I'm saying this, as I'm saying these things about not giving, our church treasurer is nodding along with me. That's how you know that we're living by our convictions and not just making up this stuff. That's when you know something's different. Now, I, I really don't have time to address you know, how much we should give. I'm very much out of time. But uh, there's an argument to be made that people have made for years over the tithe or to, to give 10% of your income. It's, it's been the, the standard of giving over the years in the Christian church. And I, I don't want to necessarily argue against that. But I find many people who tithe do so based on an incorrect assumption. They think to themselves, okay, well, I'm giving God 10% of my money and I'm keeping the 90%. What's wrong with that assumption? When you became a Christian, 100% of you belongs to God. Every part of you, including your finances. It's not just, oh, I'm giving God 10%. No, you, God now owns everything if Jesus is your Lord. If Jesus is your Lord, it's all to him. All to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give, except for my bank account. No, it's all or nothing, my friends. And so we're just being stewards of God's resources in this lifetime. We're called to manage his money, his resources, while we're alive on this earth. And so I want to encourage you guys, 
Think about your finances, your whole financial situation as a whole, as if everything belongs to God, and act accordingly. Give accordingly. Take care of the sick and hurting in order. You guys see what I'm saying? Think of it that way. Manage your resources like it belongs to God, like it's somebody else's money. Because technically it is. Going to have to leave that point for now because you simply can't boil down all these biblical principles into one message. We're going to have to readdress this as the topic of money comes up in the scriptures, which I prefer to do, by the way. I'm not one of those guys that goes out of his way to talk about giving or tithing. You know, that's, I, could, I could care less about this. But I want to let you guys know so that you could be more informed of how we worship here and what this means at the spiritual heart level. So in conclusion, this is why we do tithes and offerings the way that we do it in this church. Not because God is broke. Not because the church needs your money. But because we want to use all of our resources, whatever they are, our time and our money, to the glory of God. To see Jesus Christ lifted up in this city and through all the areas that we support. Not because we have to, but because we joyfully desire to support what God is doing in and through us. And we do it during the service to make it clear that this is not some passive and thoughtless action, but a purposeful act of worship that is as meaningful as everything else that we do here. Thanks be to God. Amen.